check out my new book, Reach All Readers at reachallreaders.com. When you pre-order, you'll get special access to my Science of Reading mini course. Learn more at reachallreaders.com. Hello, it's Anna Geiger from The Measured Mom, and today I have an interview with Rachel Beiswanger, a special education literacy coach. And in this episode, we talk about how you can use the results of a cadence reading, which is a universal screener, to inform instruction. But before we get into the episode, I would like to briefly explain a cadence's measures, just in case you're new to it, so this episode makes sense. You might be using a different screener, like FastBridge or Dibbles, or maybe you're not using one at all. If you're using one of those others, you can probably compare those measures to what we're talking about in today's episode. If you're not using a screener at all, this will show you how a screener is very useful for informing instruction. So a few weeks ago, I explained the four different types of assessment, and one of those is a screener. A cadence is a universal screener. That means that its job is to show you which students are on track to be adequate readers and which are not which are at risk, in other words. So if students score below benchmark, which is the lowest score they need to be on track, to be okay at reading, we have to do something about that. We need to provide intervention. So in this episode, we talk through the different Acadians measures and specific things you can do if a student is scoring low in a particular area. And I just want to talk through those measures really quickly so you don't get lost if this is new to you. So first, there's First sound fluency, or FSF, that's given in kindergarten, students have to say the first sound in a given word. So if you say sun, they have to say s. Phoneme segmentation fluency, or PSF, is when students have to break a word apart into all its phonemes. So you would say the word hall, and they should say h, a, o. And that's given the middle of kindergarten through the end of first, whereas first sound fluency is just given in kindergarten. Nonsense word fluency, or NWF, is when students read nonsense CVC words. And I didn't mention this, but in this and all the other measures, they have one minute to complete it. So they read as many nonsense CVC words as they can in a single minute. And you measure their correct letter sounds, as well as the number of whole words read. And whole words read means they read the word instantly without needing to sound it out. So if they saw the nonsense word MIP and they read it as m i p, they would get three for correct letter sounds, but zero for whole words read because they had to sound it out. If they saw T-U-P and they said tup, they would get three for correct letter sounds because they get all the sounds correct and one for whole words read because they read it instantly without having to sound it out. Nonsense word fluency is given in the middle of kindergarten through the beginning of second grade. Oral reading fluency, called ORF, O-R-F, is when students read aloud a grade level passage for one minute and you measure their words correct per minute as well as their accuracy. And they also have one minute to do a retell of the of what they've read. And that's given starting in the middle of first grade through sixth grade. So if you're a regular classroom teacher, you would give the appropriate measures for your grade level three times a year, beginning, middle, and end. And if a student scored below benchmark, you might give a diagnostic assessment to dive in deeper to figure out exactly what their needs are. Rachel's situation is a little different because she teaches in a special education school. So she does something called a cadence survey, which can be done anytime you have students who are maybe a little bit older and struggling to figure out exactly where their point of need is. So what you're doing is you're testing students gradually in lower levels of materials until you find their instructional and progress monitoring level. So in other words, you figure out exactly what you need to teach them and how you can measure their progress. So with a cadence survey, you would possibly start way up there at ORF. 
And then if a child doesn't do well at that, you would back up and you would test them on NWF, nonsense word fluency. And if they don't do well on that, you would back up and uh, assess them on PSF, phoneme segmentation fluency. And if they don't do well on that, you might back up and do first sound fluency. Basically, you're trying to find the skill where they're successful so that you know that the next step is to move past that into the next skill in your instruction. So I hope that makes sense. We're going to move into the episode now. And in the show notes, you'll find kind of a summary of the things we talk about. So you'll want to be sure to head over there after you listen. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Could you introduce yourself to us a little bit and explain how you got to where you are today? Sure. So my name is Rachel Beiswanger. I am a K-12 reading specialist. Um, I work at an all special education school in upstate New York. And I kind of work partially as a literacy coach pushing into classrooms. And then the rest of my time I spend working uh, one-on-one doing interventions with students. And then I, in my spare time, I am kind of in the Instagram world, sharing resources and tips for implementing the science of reading uh, in your classroom. And that's where I learned about you because you have a wonderful Instagram account with lots of really good information at reading Rachel, um, reading underscore Rachel, right? It's underscore reading Rachel underscore. Yeah. Okay. Got it. you have a really good way of talking about using assessments to inform instruction. So we're going to talk about that today. And maybe you could start with explaining how you give the cadence assessments to your students and then what you decide to do with that screening data. Sure. So we use a cadence survey and a survey level assessment helps you to pinpoint a student's lowest skill deficit. And so typically you use this with upper Um, elementary students who you sense are significantly behind in reading. So that's why we use the survey assessment. And you start with their chronological grade level and each grade level has specific measures in Acadians. And so if you're, if you have a first, second or a first through sixth grader, the measure is oral reading fluency. So typically you're gonna give an oral reading fluency measure at that student's grade level to begin. And then if you find from that measure that the students are below benchmark uh, for their grade level, then you would drop down and give either the, the next grade level below or if it was kind of like really hard for them to access that passage and you know that they're you know, much lower than you thought they were, you could drop down to, to nonsense word fluency, NWF, which is the measure below um, first grade oral reading fluency. So let's say, for example, I had a grade three student and I gave them the oral reading fluency passage for grade three and they were below the benchmark and I decided to drop down, as I just said, to nonsense word fluency because they were struggling to even kind of get through that first sentence. They were sounding out every word, mm-hmm. um, for example. Um, so for the nonsense word fluency measure, the students are timed for a minute and they read as many um, CVC nonsense words as they can in a minute. And what this measure tells you is a lot about students' knowledge of the alphabetic principle and letter sound knowledge. So. As they're reading a nonsense word, let's say the nonsense word is something like, I don't know, um, TAF, like T-A-F or something mm-hmm. like that. And they say T-A-F, Then what you know from that is that the student is saying each letter sound correctly. So that tells me, one, that their letter sound knowledge is 
good and they're blending correctly but they they're not able to just look at taff and say taff and that's what we want them to be able to do right we want them to have that sight recognition and be able to read that word so what that tells the teacher is i need to specifically for that student and now this that's if that was a pattern on the, on their assessment right? right like i'm talking if if they you know if they did that on several several of the words not just one but that would be an indicator that in my instruction with that student i really need to focus on moving them from sound by sound blending to reading words automatically so blending strategies things like successive or continuous blending i should also say if when i gave that nonsense word fluency they were still below the benchmark in that measure i would also drop below nonsense word fluency to phoneme segmentation fluency. So that's the measure below nonsense word fluency on a cadence, and that assesses the student's phonemic awareness. And so I would want to check that also because, you know, at when you're survey, surveying a student, when you're kind of dropping back and dropping back, you want to find that point where they are at benchmark, where they are successful, because then you know that the next step up is where your instructional need is that's where they need to work if mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah and for some teachers it, it feels a little overwhelming like they have students with deficits in many different areas so you're saying to take the lowest skill that they're not successful at according to a cadence survey and start with that and then do you recommend working on multiple things at once or just working on that one thing yeah that's a really good question i so with a, in this example that i just gave like if that student needed work on blending to get to the whole word you know i would still open my lesson with that student likely with a segmenting and blending warm-up phonemes you know so i yeah. wouldn't i would just because they were you know great at, at phonemic awareness i would still kind of prime them for the lesson by giving them that blending and segmenting warm-up so i wouldn't just isolate the nonsense word fluency skills however that would be my primary focus if that makes sense. Yeah. So in Acadians, there's FSF where they have to give you the first sound in a word that you say, and then there's the PSF where you have where they break a word apart into its phonemes. Yes. So let's say they're struggling all the way down at um, FSF. What do you do to remediate that? Yeah. So if they aren't able to isolate the first sound in a word, then that is what you're teaching toward, and sometimes you can just teach that, right? You can, you can say, okay, the student doesn't have that skill. And that skill is really the stepping stone to being able to segment and blend. So you would start with um, words that begin with continuous sounds, and mm -hmm. you would model for students how to say that word, say, okay, say sun, sun, okay, let's stretch out sun, and then they'd say it slowly. And then you'd ask them, what's the first sound you hear in sun? And if they couldn't do it, then that's where you step in and you scaffold and you say, okay, listen to me, ready? I'm going to show you that, that the first sound in sun is s Did you hear me say s Okay, now it's, let's say sun together. And you just kind of break it down like that. Um, sometimes that can be even still too abstract for some students. And so from there, you would scaffold back and you would move to... Um, like larger chunks like onset and rhyme and you would see if students could isolate the first the onset right in the word um and then you would just 
you would go back even further if they couldn't do that. And you might see if they can isolate the first word in a compound word or the mm -hmm. first syllable in a two syllable word. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay. So then after, let's say the other issue, the issue that they have is that they are struggling with PSF. So they can't break a word apart into its phonemes or they break it apart into some phonemes, but not all the phonemes. Like maybe they can't split a blend up, for example. What, what are the things that you do to work on that? If, if the student is struggling with consonant blends, I really like to do word chaining with that student because mm -hmm. I feel like that is one way where they can really deeply see the details in the word. I always think of Louise Motes when I say that because she's always uh, has always said students need to know the intricacies of the sounds in the in the words, right? Mm -hmm. So I so when you're word chaining, you're giving students a word and you're asking them to change out one sound, and this is great because it's phonemic awareness, but it, it's also using letters. And so students mm -hmm. are changing out one letter at a time. And that's, you know, what we know research supports with phonemic awareness practice. So teaching them how to do word chains. Uh, so it, just in general, if they're having trouble segmenting, you know, three and four sound words, then you always want to scaffold back to two sound words and see if they can segment a word with two sounds. And the, again, the words with continuous sounds to start like so, me, or hi, those words mm -hmm. are going to be easier to segment. I, I will say too that um, working not just on those two sound words, but three sound words that students are familiar with, I've noticed, mm -hmm. is seems to click for some kids and help them mm -hmm. figure that out when you bring in the words that there are already in their vocabulary. So if they know, you know, the word sun, but they don't really have the word so in their vocabulary, sure. sun might be easier for them to segment. Have you found that using manipulatives helps a lot with this? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just stick to traditional Alconin boxes where I'm sliding chips or kids are sliding mm -hmm. chips into boxes. That seems to work really well for kids. And, and then I also, I just defer to, you know, phoneme graphing mapping, mapping is really beneficial because you're segmenting with sometimes with manipulatives and then you're, then you're matching the letters right up to the sounds. Yeah. So just for people who are listening, who maybe are new to that, the idea is that you have like a set of boxes for a word and then you um, put a tile in for each, each box for each sound. So if you say the word is swim, repeat swim, let's say the sounds of swim and maybe they put a chip in each box for swim and then you isolate each sound and help them spell it. So we know we've talked about this before in the podcast that research shows that phonemic awareness instruction with letters is most effective. So we're combining phonemic awareness and phonics and that can actually help kids learn phonemic awareness better than if it's just isolated oral activities. Um, you, so you, we've talked about Phoneme segmentation fluency, fluency, which is PSF, and then we've got up, up a level after that is nonsense word fluency, NWF, and you know some people wonder about the use of nonsense words, and the point of that is so that we really know if they know their phonics knowledge because they could have memorized a word if it's it's a if it's a real CVC word, but the nonsense word fluency tells you a lot in terms of like I've seen kids I've I've given these assessments and the word might be MIP, so if they know their phonics knowledge, they would say MIP, but I've heard kids say MIPE, right? So right. that really could not be a word because we, because of what we know about phonics patterns and spelling patterns. So there's, there's really two multiple issues that could be at play if they're struggling with a nonsense word fluency. And one that you mentioned was 
they can sound it out, but they have to sound it out. They can't, they haven't mapped it. They can't read it instantly. So, um, and I, I hear this a lot from people like, what do I do to get my kids to stop sounding out letter by letter? How do, how do we get them to cross over? And what are some things that you would suggest for that? Sure. So I suggest a few different things. Um, I think sometimes, sometimes I think the issue is that students are just so used to sound sounding words out that they literally just need somebody to tell them to say the sounds in their mind and practice doing it that way and practice not saying the sounds out loud mm-hmm. and just get in the habit of saying the sounds in their minds. So that's one trick to try. Um, the other trick to try is successive blending, which I I really like this, this strategy. Um, so with successive blending, let's say you have the CVC word um, mat, M-A-T, you would model for the students how to touch and say mm, and then you would say the second sound and then you would show them how to she would demonstrate what the those two sounds sound like when they're blended together so then you would say ma and then you would add on the last sound and you would say mat and so you're going mm, ma mat and then you would practice that with them and then they would do that just because sometimes I think like kids get stuck with a single sound, single sound, single sound. And sometimes just connecting those first two Mm -hmm. is, you know, a great way to do it. And then let's say you've done that with a list of five words. Once you've had them practice that blending strategy, then have them go back and read those five words again, because then you're building their sight word recognition. And that's when those words become orthographically mapped and they no longer have to sound them out. And so sometimes it really is about um, fluency and and more more exposures to those words, not being afraid to practice reading the same words every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes that happens too. Is like we feel like we have to do, we feel like we have to teach so many different words every day, which is important because we want to expose our kids to the words that they're going to need to be able to spell and that they're going to be seeing in text. But sometimes for some kids, they just need to see those words again and again before they stick. Yeah. And I also believe that sometimes seeing those same word families at the end of words, like they can start to map chunks um, because those nonsense words aren't real words. So they haven't, I guess, technically mapped that word as it appears, but they, you know, as they become more efficient readers, they know that IF is if, and they know that OT is ought and so on. Um, so then we, we move up to ORF, which is oral reading fluency. Now, I most of the assessments I've given have been in the primary grade. So in third grade, does Acadians include any other assessments or is it just ORF? Um, you can do another uh, um, assessment. Acadians has another comprehension measure called MAZE, which oh, I'm yes. not as familiar with, but I know that, you know, it's basically a, pa- a passage that students read and then they are supposed to fill in the correct word in certain blanks based on the meaning of the sentence. And that when they do independently, like you're not yeah. marking things down, you're just checking it. Yeah, right. they, I've seen that before where they have the sentences and then multiple words to choose from that would fit in the blank. So yes. ORF, oral reading fluency is when you have, usually you have them read three passages and then you have them read for one minute. And then there's also in Acadians, there's a retelling measure where you just kind of keep track of how many words they say. 
um, and, and it sounds hard, but it's not because um, they talk kind of slow <laughs> and you right. just kind of mark the, the meaningful words they said. Like if they say, I don't remember, you don't mark those words. If they repeat themselves, you don't mark those words. But uh, and then down below, there's like a, a subjective measure where you say, you know, that they gave the main idea or they gave details in order or so on. So it's subjective, but I, I do find it's very useful. So if they're in third grade or or if starts actually in the middle of first grade, I believe, right? Yes, yes. And they um, are, their words correct per minute. So their, their number of words, maybe they also maybe have low accuracy is below benchmark. Then what do you do first? Right. So if they, so they have, so ORF has the three scores, as you said, there is the retail score, the words correct per minute score and the accuracy score. So when you look at their results, you want to look at all three of those scores because each individual score gives you information on a specific skill, which is, in my opinion, the best part of Acadians, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very informative in that way. So if I have a student who did well on the retail, but they did, as you said, they were below benchmark on words correct per minute, and they were below benchmark on accuracy, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Then I would give them a decoding diagnostic yep. because to me that's an indicator well not to me that it is it's an indicator if their accuracy score is low it's an indicator that there is a decoding issue because accuracy we're talking about how many words did they read correctly and if they're reading words incorrectly then they're decoding incorrectly right mm -hmm. um so that would be the next step there but if that student had a good accuracy score so they were reading words correctly and their words correct per minute score was still low. They were, it, it wasn't where it should be. It was below benchmark. Then that indicates to me that that student needs work on fluency. So then I would work on fluency in my instruction. And then if their last example would be if that student was, their accuracy score was great, their words correct per minute score was great, but their retail was kind of a struggle and below the benchmark, then that would indicate that I should work on reading comprehension. So comprehension strategies, building knowledge, teaching vocabulary, and this kind of thing. Okay, so let's go back to the accuracy one. So you talked about yeah. a diagnostic and this when this podcast goes live, it will be following some other episodes about that sort of thing. Um, so mm -hmm. people can refer back to that one, but there will be an episode about different kinds of assessment. And so right now we're basically talking about a screener to figure out if children are on benchmark, which means are they meeting the minimum standard to be on track to be a good reader. Um, but if they're below benchmark, then we need to figure out the problem and remediate that. So um, we have to dive in more deeply. So the screener gives us basic information, but doesn't give us the details. So when you mentioned the diagnostic, that would be a specific phonics assessment that um, shows you exactly where the breakdown is. Like maybe they're good with CVC words, CCVC words, CVCE, but then they're struggling with vowel teams or whatever. So that would um, show that you need to work on those specific vowel teams. I think that's an easy one in terms of what's next. Like we talk a lot about in this podcast and on my website about teaching phonics, but let's go to the fluency one. Do you see that less often? I'm just curious to know, like, yes. so it's more often a word reading problem with decoding, Yes. but sometimes maybe not as often they can read the words, but they're reading very slowly. So what are things you do for that? 
Yeah. So repeated reads are the, you know, the gold standard that are recommended by the National Reading Panel and confirmed over time through research to be an effective practice for building fluency. I like to do them in, in with my intervention students, the way that we do that is that when they read a decodable text, the new decodable text from, let's say it's Monday, then the next day, the next lesson, I'm having them read the same decodable text to open that lesson. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm, then I'm collecting their decodable passages in, in a decodable folder and they're practicing reading those with a partner at, at centers. And mm-hmm. ideally I have, you know, a teaching assistant or whomever giving corrective feedback. Cause that's a really big part of it. It's like give corrective feedback. If students are making errors, part of that too is modeling how to read how to read like you're talking how to read like you're having a conversation modeling that for kids and then having them repeat it back to you so some echo reading is really beneficial for fluency as well so let's that moves us on to um kids who this and i'm I'm wondering if this at your school i don't know if this would be a higher level than what most people would see do you find that there are a lot of kids who can read the words are reading at a good rate but can't explain what they read you see a lot of that i do actually i do I think that those are the two camps for me in my experience is the students who really, really struggle with decoding. And so that's where we start or the students who can decode anything. And then when you ask them what they read about, they might relate it to something that happened in their lives or, you know, they're kind of like sort of, you know, tangentially related to the -hmm. (laughs) the passage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do notice that a lot. I think it's really hard for students, especially with specific learning disabilities. It's hard for students to hold information in their working memory and to be able to retell it back to you. Um, so I do see that a lot. And it seems to me like that would be a harder thing to take care of um, because it is so, as we know, comprehension is so complex. It's just, it's, we don't have a nice easy scope and sequence like we do for phonics. So what are some things that you found that have helped? it's definitely harder to remediate because it's not linear and it's it's like there are multiple things that go into reading comprehension so there are multiple things to try cadence does have i'll say this first cadence does have um a comprehension fluency in oral language it's called cfall it's a comprehension diagnostic so that is one way you can kind of get to answering some questions like is the student struggling with figurative language is it you know this or that whatever um but one of the things i think that works really well for students with pulling the main idea from teaching them how to pull the main idea from a paragraph is really helpful for kids so modeling that for kids teaching them how to pull out the most important who the paragraph is about, the most important information from that paragraph, and doing that throughout a passage, and then eventually combining that into a summary. And then the other thing that I've noticed that that I, you know, I typically go right to as a as a starting point for me, just because it's it's common with a, a lot of the students that I work with, is checking their sentence level comprehension, mm. um, because. You know, like if you think about it, if if a student doesn't really know what's going on in a sentence, they're not going to know how to string a bunch of sentences together when they're reading and like keep those ideas connecting as they're reading 
and connect ideas across sentences, let alone across, you know, paragraphs to kind of get the whole gist of the passage. Um, so just giving them a sentence and saying like, okay, well, like who, who's the person in the sentence? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. Why are they doing it? How are they doing it? Having them answer those basic function level questions. Wonderful. Well, you've just given a lot of stuff. I might just have to kind of type this up in the show notes as kind of an outline for people. So they kind of see some specific things. Um, where can people find you? So I am most active on Instagram. So my Instagram name is underscore reading Rachel underscore. And then I also have a blog and that's readingrachel.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time to share your wisdom with us today. Thanks for having me, Anna. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at themeasuredmom.com forward slash episode 149. Talk to you next time. That's all for this episode of Triple R Teaching. For more educational resources, visit Anna at her home base, themeasuredmom.com, and join our teaching community. We look forward to helping you reflect, refine, and recharge on the next episode of Triple R Teaching.